Today on CityCast Boise, when Nixon Matthews testified against House Bill 421 a few weeks ago, he introduced himself as your happy, fulfilled trans neighbor. I'm talking with Matthews, who's running for the legislature, about the anti-LGBTQ plus bills Boiseans should be following. It's Thursday, February 29th. I'm Blake Hunter, and this is what Boise's talking about. I want to start this conversation by just asking how you are doing. Following anti-trans legislation, as I know, and I'm sure a lot of folks know, can be really, really disheartening and very isolating. How are you coping this year? Yeah, this session has been particularly rough. I feel kind of the last couple of years as the session comes up, people start to like talk to each other like, okay, are you ready? Are you ready for this? And it never feels like you can emotionally really prepare for what's coming yeah, because you don't know what's about to happen. And then what the focus of these bills are going to be like the session has been rough, honestly. And I'm pretty involved with community organizations. So I'm talking to a lot of people in the community Seeing all of these bills being introduced, these anti-LGBTQ bills being introduced that impact our community, it's, you know, people are struggling. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. With what is happening in our state. We first reached out to you uh, to have you on the show a couple of weeks ago when House Bill 421 uh, first surfaced. And Mm -hmm. so this bill... um, is kind of in it's still going through the process of the, of the legislature uh, mm-hmm. right now, but it would set definitions for sex uh, into Idaho law that are tied exclusively to reproductive functions specifically mm-hmm. is is kind of the framing uh, that the sponsor has put forward. Uh, and you gave some really powerful testimony to the committee during that public hearing. Can you share a little bit about that, why you wanted to to go there and specifically what you talked about? You know, as a person who is trans, it is so important for me to talk about this experience based on my own experience. A lot of times when you hear people talk about um, the trans or non-binary experience, it's often tied solely to feelings of depression, feelings mm-hmm. of anxiety, feelings of self-harm. And those things are true. People in our community experience that. But I always try to separate it and say that being a trans person um, for a lot of us, is incredibly joyful. It's incredibly freeing and really wanting to make sure that when I'm talking about the experience of being trans, I'm being clear on that point. And then also being clear that it is legislation like this that really is, you know, creates this experience of anxiety and, and depression because it's a wild feeling to stand in front of a group of our representatives and sit there and say, see me, yeah. you know, accept that I am a human being and that we belong, we deserve safety, we deserve freedom, we deserve all of the good things in this life. Um, I know that they're still pushing this. So that was something that I really cared to call out is that there's so many positive, beautiful things about being trans, about being non-binary, and that it is this kind of legislation that essentially takes away our existence in our state laws, that it is almost like we don't deserve to exist. And that is a really harmful message um, to say to a group of people. Absolutely. That was 
like I said just a few weeks ago, but that was long enough for new legislation to come forward. Yes. Uh, specifically, one of the ones uh, to mention is House Bill 520. So that is regarding public funds to essentially anything transition related at all, including public employees and Idahoans on Medicaid. Again, like I said, this, this applies to anything transition related, anything like puberty blockers, hormone mm-hmm. therapy, as well as kind of the bigger budget things that take a mm-hmm. long time, so much longer than people realize uh, mm-hmm. to get into like surgery. And specifically, I mean, it, it's worth mentioning, I think, that puberty blockers and hormone therapy and so several of these other things are allowed to cis people under this bill, you know, like like these these will still yeah. be legal uh, health care uh, procedures and um, resources for cis people, just not for trans people specifically. When it first dropped and when you first saw it coming forward, what were your thoughts on this bill? Yeah, I mean, we honestly weren't that surprised that this was coming just because this is something that, you know, we're seeing across the country, right? We're seeing this type of legislation being introduced in several states. So I keep saying we because I'm, you know, I'm with Add the Words Idaho. So I provide policy support, community outreach support with Add the Words Idaho. So we have a lot of conversations as we go through this about what do we expect to come up? And then we're working together to try to work with legislators on information to help support them so they can actively hopefully fight against these bills. So that's when I say we, that's what I'm talking about. But with 520, what was kind of interesting, historically, these bills are kind of labeled with gender affirming care right. um, designations. In this case, 520 was actually labeled as gender transition. Um, so specifically speaking to gender transition. So to your point, right. Blake, they have adjusted the language so it does only specifically target trans and non-binary folks um, who are accessing this care to meet their gender identity, Mm -hmm. right? Which is discriminatory because it is allowing cisgender people um, if they need access to puberty blockers because that is used outside of the LGBTQIA community. Um, So it does specifically target. So it's, it's frustrating to see so much time and effort targeting a group of people who in many cases were part of the most vulnerable population in this state. And there's so much time and resources being spent to take away access to healthcare. On on the flip side of this, maybe, you know, from a cisgender Idahoan who doesn't know a ton about, about uh, transition related, um, Mm anything related to transition, hears this and says, and, you know, we're in a very conservative, uh, mm-hmm. like fiscally conservative state that like there, there's that's a very strong tradition here. And so, you know, maybe they hear about this and say, yeah, I don't want to chip in uh, mm-hmm. for so and so's hormone therapy or any procedure for someone that I don't know. But for just an Idahoan who doesn't know a lot about this uh, and says, I don't I don't want to so I don't want to have to help pay for this. What, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? Well, one of the arguments that kind of kept being brought up was this concept of like, well, are you a taxpayer? We all kind of pay into taxes. And so we pay into this program um, and should be able to get access to it. That is the point of Medicaid, to cover mm. comprehensive health care. Every major medical organization backs this as life-saving health care. You know, the way that this type of healthcare is being positioned or presented is that it is just this social contagion. It is this idea that anybody can show up at the doctor's office and they can get access to this healthcare. There's no kind of 
thoughtful process to this. Well, when I started transitioning in my 30s, it took me yeah. so long and so much money before I was allowed to have actual access to gender affirming care. So when we're talking about younger people who are trying to access this, this is a very thoughtful process. We make a very up a very small percentage of this state. Uh, and not everybody is using Medicaid within our community. I have private insurance that covers my healthcare needs. And so I just have a, a hard time understanding, you know, if we don't know if it's actually going to save us a significant amount of money and the fact that it is, it is healthcare um, as backed by, you know, all the med major medical organizations. You know, it's just something that we get to partake of just as anybody else would get to partake of Medicaid to access their healthcare. We wanted to talk to you because of your testimony. And in that testimony, you mentioned that you are running as a Democrat for House District 16, uh, mm -hmm. which covers the West Bench, Garden City, uh, Winstead Park, uh, some of those areas. What what are your goals as far as just give me give me the elevator pitch? You're you're joining the race for the <laughs> legislature. What do you want to accomplish? My decision to run for office actually stemmed out of last session. Because I was watching still some of these bills, the, the anti-LGBTQ bills. And in Idaho, we don't have a single LGBT out LGBTQIA representative in our state legislature. Yeah. And I, I remember when I first came out, I saw Cola Favor, who mm -hmm. served in the House um, and in the Senate. I saw John McCrosty, who served mm -hmm. in the House. And it was something that really meant a lot to me to know that there were people who understood my lived experience. And this is my whole pitch. Representation is the only way we're going to get to effective, well-rounded policy that improves everybody's life. Right now, our legislature is made up of, as far as we know, 100% straight, cisgender. It's made up of primarily white people, primarily men. The number one job description on the legislative website is retired and right. right underneath that is self-employed and uh, business owners. And so you start to see why maybe we have certain legislation coming out because it's really representative of people who look a certain way, act a certain way, believe a certain way. I would rather never spend a single day talking about any of this legislation. Right. We have like 15 bills-ish that are targeting the LGBTQIA community. I would rather spend not a single day on that. What I would love to do is talk about when we're talking about affordable housing, we're talking about fair and affordable housing. When we're talking about education, we're talking about education that we, as of the LGBTQIA community, we can also see ourselves in. Right. Um, climate change, these things all impact different groups and communities differently. And it's important that, you know, we have a seat at the table so that we can talk about, hey, you know, I'm adding to your lived experience. Let's work together and hopefully get to something that really benefits everybody in Idaho. You you mentioned kind of the the general demographics within the state house, and in addition to that, a lot of Republicans have done and said a lot of very transphobic things, uh, mm -hmm. especially in the past few years. How do you prepare for kind of being one of their coworkers? Because that's really mm -hmm. what you are as a legislator. How do you prepare for that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that you know, I am mentally kind of preparing myself for. 
I've had conversations with some legislators who are Republicans who I've had very meaningful conversations with them. They're in a circumstance that is very difficult because their party is Mm -hmm. setting requirements for the Republicans in that party, but it is not, I think, representative of what everybody in the Republican Party feels. I think there's a lot of people who want to focus on day-to-day issues versus these bills that are specifically targeting marginalized communities. So that's one aspect I just keep in mind that that's the reality. And I'm, I hold a lot of privilege in the trans and non-binary community, the LGBTQ community as a whole. I am a white, transmasculine at this point. I could walk down the street, most people wouldn't know that I'm trans. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hold a lot of privilege, which makes it easier. It shouldn't be the case, but it makes it easier for me to walk into those spaces and to work with people. Um, And so I'm trying to use my privilege to advance the needs of my community. As far as the people who say really transphobic things, you know, Sarah McBride, who is running for U.S. Congress, I believe she'd be the first trans person ever elected in the U.S. Congress. She said something, I'm not going to say it perfectly, but she said something to the point of, it is much harder for somebody to hate you if they have to work with you, right? if they have to see you as a person. And so I hope that that would be Uh, a factor in this as well. And I also believe by having representation as an LGBTQ person like me, who I saw Cola Favor, I saw John McCrosty, I wanted to get involved. My hope is that if people see that they have somebody representing them, they will want to also get involved and engaged. You often introduce yourself as someone's happy and fulfilled trans neighbor. Can you talk about why you do that? Why you make that choice? Yeah, I mean, it is something that a couple reasons. I'm trying to humanize us. We're human beings. We're just trying to live our lives. For me, I also sometimes tell people like I have a calendar reminder to help me remember to turn my mattress. That's so silly and so stupid. (laughs) But it's just like, you know, we're just trying to go through, we're trying to put food in the fridge, we're Mm -hmm. trying to put gas in the car, you know, we're 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 pursuing the same thing that so many people are pursuing and happiness and living. Um, so I, I try to humanize us, and that's why I do that, um, is to remind us that we're your neighbor. Uh, we're Idahoans. We're all over the state. We always have been in Idaho. We always will be in Idaho. And you might not know us walking past us, but we're here, and we're Idahoans. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question that I want to ask yeah. you. Um, as a trans person from a tiny town in rural Idaho, which I feel you, I think you've got me beat uh, <laughs> by a couple hundred people, but pretty small. Uh, I, I know that you love this state and um, I know that you want to stay here. Mm-hmm. But I always, whenever I'm talking to other trans folks, I always have to get a sense for like, what, where's your weather gauge? Like, yeah. is there a specific bill that like, once you see that get passed or come through, then you'll be like, okay, I'm, I tried, mm-hmm. I tried to make this work. I've got to go. How, how often do you think about leaving? Like what's, what's your process for that? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Actually, I left, I did leave. I left for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after I came out as trans, I did not feel safe here. It was hard to find a doctor who had any experience at that time. So I didn't know if I was getting the best healthcare coverage. I was afraid to go to the bathroom by myself. It's exhausting to have to pay attention to every single exit and wonder if the person past you is going Mm -hmm. to say something. And people did. I'd get yelled at. 
I'd have people say things to me in the grocery store. I wasn't always treated well. I was, I am lucky. My parents and my family are very supportive. Um, my work at the time was supportive. I had a lot of supportive friends, but that doesn't take away from this feeling of isolation and fear as you're walking through this life. And at that time, I wasn't. My goal has never been to pa- be passing. That is not a thing. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I really wasn't. And so it was scary. So I left Idaho for six years. Best decision I made because I started dating my now spouse and she is wonderful and I love her. But when we decided to come back, that was a long conversation and that we made a promise to each other that if we do, we get involved and we make sure to work to make things better for Idahoans, queer Idahoans, LGBTQI Idahoans, young trans people, because we knew we we could get involved in that and it was really important to us. So so I did leave because it didn't feel safe. And I And I'm committed to being here because I do love this state, but I'm also committed to being here. Um, partially because I have the privilege to do so and like have a lot more safety and security and partially because there's a lot of people who cannot leave here. Mm-hmm. The LGBTQ community, the trans and non-binary community, they face a lot more challenge financially uh, from healthcare, family support, all of these things. It's just not an option for everybody to leave this state. And so I'm here to help and do whatever I can to support the community. I'm a partner. We both were committed in that. Well, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm happy that you're my neighbor. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe to our free Hey Boise newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with our weekly news roundup. See you later.